All right, praise God. Um, how many, how many of us really realize uh, who we are? You know, do you stop and ask yourself or think sometimes, uh, who am I? You know, what is uh, what is my purpose? Especially when things are are going rough in your life, especially when there, there's challenges in your lives. Um, and I'm just going to jump to the chase here, get, or get to the end of the program so to speak by just simply saying that you are, an, you, are, you are an anointed child of God but so many times when we have issues going on in life and especially when there's something that you're waiting for or something that's pending or anything challenging there uh, the devil has a way of putting this seed in your head you're not going to succeed you're going to fail you know and we really really forget who we are you know and I think partly it's because we don't always see God you know visibly sitting in the room with us or next to us and we forget that God is there with us and that God has chosen us so I want to talk about today is is do you know who you really are do you know who you are in God's eyes and do you know how God sees you you know when you look in the mirror in the morning and you're getting dressed, you know, you see the same old you. And then you start thinking about all of the issues laid out before you that day. You start thinking about the challenges. But you don't see how God sees you. Okay? And how God has, has created you. And how God's plan is fitting in to his plan. Because, you know, God's plan for you is indeed his plan. So many times we forget that we are indeed anointed, you know. And you've heard the expression, I'm sure you've heard people that will, you know, go to see someone, in a, you know, a minister in a speaking engagement, and, and they'll get there and they'll be totally pumped up, a wonderful service and whatnot, and then they'll come back and tell, you know, I went to see John so-and-so and so-and-so. Boy, oh boy, he is such an anointed man of God. You know, I saw so-and-so and she was such an anointed person. Oh my gosh, it's just amazing. Well, guess what? You know, people that are behind the pulpit are not the only ones that are anointed. You are also anointed. So I want to look at today, what is this anointing thing? And what does it mean to you personally? Because this is something that we need to, to move up on our checklist, so to speak, you know, of things to remember. You know, the fact that you are anointed. You know, you think, oh, that's some theological term. Now, it's a very, very practical term. And everyone sitting in this sanctuary today as a born-again child of God is anointed. You have an anointing. You know, many of the times that we have the, uh, the the prayer lines that we call here, and and there's the anointing with all with oil. You know, sometimes that those prayer lines have simply been for a fresh anointing. You've probably heard me say, but you are and you are anointed as a child of God. So what does that mean? First of all, we have to understand our relationship to God and your anointing. So let's go to one John, little John, one John chapter two. Okay, and we want to build, um, I want to build this, you know, pretext by pretext, step by step, and everything. First of all, understanding where we are in the world today, and how, um, how the anointing fits in to where we are in the world today, and what's going on. And that um, we are considered by God to be his children. You know, you've, you've read the scripture that says that, you know, you've been adopted into the family of God. So God is our father and God looks at us as his children. So looking with uh, 1 John and starting with chapter 2. 
1 John chapter 2, verse number 1. My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we do know that we, we know him if we keep his commandments. Because that's God's will. His commandments is God's will. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whosoever keeps his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. By this know we that we are in him. Okay, so understand that, that you are in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is in you. Verse 6. He that saith he abides in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So we were to walk as Jesus walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. Okay? Darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. Alright, so in other words, if you're saying that you're in the light and you're walking with Jesus and you hate or despise your brother, uh, okay, then you're in darkness. He that loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knoweth not where he goes, because darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Please understand on the line, your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Please underline that, because you have overcome the wicked one. You have to understand that when this evil, or when things are going on in your life, this is not saying you will overcome. It says that you have overcome the wicked one. So when these evil things come into your life, be it by people, be it by circumstances, or whatever that is really frustrating you, you have to understand what the scripture is saying, is that you have overcome the wicked one. So you are greater than any situation that could come into your life. You are greater than any individual that could be giving you, you heartburn or heartache or giving you a difficult time. All right? You have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Please in the line, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. Please in the line, and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. There it is again. Please on the line. You have overcome the wicked one. All right. The, the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Please underline that. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Part of this whole thing of understanding um, your anointing is that if you really can grasp that you are anointed, you are an anointed child of God, the things of this world are not important. Okay? 
Okay, now, that does not mean that you don't need a job. It does not mean that you don't have to pay the bills, you know. Okay, but what it means is that you're not so in love with the material things that seeking after, after the material things outweighs you seeking after the spiritual things. Or seeking after, what does the word say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, all right? And his righteousness, all right? So love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Please, please put a bracket, bracket around 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, what, what does that mean? That means that there is something that I am desiring. There's something that I want to accomplish. I don't go desiring that or seeking to accomplish that thing so much that everything else is unimportant to me. You know, lusting after something is just like you've got, you know, an uncontrollable desire to achieve this thing or to have this thing. You know, you know, you, you've heard about, you know, you know, uh, uh, competing with the Joneses. You know, you know, your neighbor next door gets a boat, and all of a sudden you start lusting after wanting a boat. Lusting after something is mean that that's your every waking thought. That's all you can you can dwell on. You know, you go to bed with that with the Joneses boat on your mind. You wake up with the boat on your mind. This is what I want to achieve because then that blocks out all of your time. It blocks out time for you seeking the important things of life, which is God, which is the kingdom of God. All right. So, so for all that, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, things that look attractive and the pride of life, I have to ascend to this level, is, is, uh, but is of the world. The world passes away and the lust of it. Underline, the world passes away and the lust of it, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Okay? So, so underline all that or put a bracket around 17. So that means that that thing that you're lusting after so much, that you're wanting so bad, that's going to pass away. You know? Because guess what? You know, when it's time, when your time comes and you're called home to be with the Lord, you know, that boat that you lusted after, sure not going to go with you. <laughs> you, you. You know? And you've probably heard of people, you know, there was, I forget who it was that, that uh, this person passed and they died, they, they buried him sitting up in the in his Cadillac. You know, they put him in the Cadillac and buried him Cadillac and all, you know, sitting behind the driver's seat and buried him in this thing, you know. I forget who the name of the person was or some rich rich person. Anyway, I guarantee that wherever he went be it heaven or hell, that Cadillac was not with him. I guarantee you that. Okay? So the lusts of this world, the things in this world, you know, God knows that we need to pay our bills. You know, God knows you need to pay the mortgage or the rent or food and so on like that. So God will provide for that. But the minute you start lusting off of that, after that, then you, 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 tend to, you tend to forget about the anointing that you already have. You know? Okay? And that anointing for you is given to you for a, perfect, a reason. I will get to that in a minute. But first, the kind to build a foundation. The world passes away in the lust of life, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists. Underline that. Even now there are many Antichrists. You don't believe it? Listen to the TV and the news. <laughs> All right? And there are many Antichrists. Even now there are many Antichrists. By which, by which we know that it is in the last time. 
They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, what that, when I say they went out from us, that means, that means doctrinally. So, you can have some people that are in the body of Christ, supposedly, and then all of a sudden, meaning that they went out from us, was that they changed the doctrine or decided not to abide by God's real doctrine, and they went off and they started doing other things and saying other things. And this is where so much deception comes into the quote-unquote the body of Christ. Because you have people that started out in the church, and then for some other reason, whatever it is, either the devil got into them, or they started getting so puffed up in self that they decided to change the doctrine, and they go out and they start preaching something that is not in the Word of God, or, or twisted versions of the, word of, of the Word of God. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would not, they would no doubt have continued with us. In other words, if they were really, really rooted in the Word of God, they wouldn't have changed. Okay? If the, I can't see anyone in, in this sanctuary all of a sudden getting so whacked out and crazy that you went off from here spouting something that is outside of the Word of God. I, I'm looking at you all, I just can't, I can't imagine that. That you get so confused, you know, by talking to someone else or hearing other people or whatever it is, or associating, affiliating, that you wind up getting sucked into some other doctrine that is outside of what the Word of God says in the Bible. Okay? Because then what this is saying, that if that is so, then that you weren't really there in the first place. That's what this is basically saying. Okay? Alright? Right. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. They, they were not all of us. But, but we have, you have an unction from the Holy One. And you know all things. Please underline that. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denies the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesses the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. Please align that. But the anointing that you have received of him abides in you. And you, and you, uh, and you what's that? need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth, that is no lie. And even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. So what that is saying, if starting with verse 26 again, these things have I, have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you, meaning that there are people out there that would love to seduce you and change your mind away from what God is, is, is saying in his word. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Now what that means is that... What I am standing up here saying to you and teaching you and giving to you and preaching to you and what you will hear in Bible study, and I'm there as a teacher, I am simply conveying the words. The teaching that is done is Holy Spirit. 
Okay, the teaching that is done is Holy Spirit, where it says that no man can teach you. All right, and that's where things go wrong. That's where things go wrong. It's because people attach themselves to the speaker as a man or as a woman. They attach the person. They attach themselves to the minister or the person that is standing up there. And they're hanging on every word. But the actual teaching comes from Holy Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit is doing the teaching, it will stick with you. It will stick with you. All right? It will stick with you. If I'm, just, if I'm just standing up here as an unanointed you know, person behind this wooden thing here called a pulpit... And I'm just conveying words to you. And Holy Spirit is not taking those words that's coming into you and, and, and marinating those words, so to speak. And if it isn't witnessing and resonating with your spirit, then you're not being taught. Because all I'm doing then is standing up here speaking a bunch of meaningless words. And the meaning that the words go out and kind of just float around in the ether. They float around in the atmosphere here. Okay, but I'm not really doing any teaching. It's when... Hopefully, you know, praise God, that the, the person behind the pulpit, there's an anointing going on. I mean, I pray before every single service here and pray that the Lord will give me a fresh anointing to, to, to preach his word. That the word's coming forth. If it's Holy Spirit guided, and then Holy Spirit in you is catching those words. Holy Spirit is doing the, doing the teaching to you. I may read something from here, and I use King James Bible. I may read something here that doesn't quite make sense to you. Okay, so I'm conveying the words to you. But Holy Spirit will grab those words in your spirit. And that's where the actual teaching takes place. Sometimes it'll even happen after you leave church. This is why I ask you to underline. And I don't even have to say that too much anymore. I see you all underlining on your own. But that's why, why it's good to have a Bible in church and to underline the words. Because while the speaker is up here talking the words, it might be later on during the day or next week or whatever, when you're reading those passages and you've underlined those things, there may be something that you've underlined that Holy Spirit will grab in you and, and, and will resonate with your spirit because it will relate directly to something that's going on in your life. Okay, that's when the teaching comes through. The teaching comes through when you've heard the words and you've kept the faith and you've acted on those words and then there's something in your life that you've been praying for, some situation or whatever it might be and then all of a sudden it re- it's realized and it becomes true. That's a teaching moment. That's when Holy Spirit will again say to you, did you not read this? Did I not, did I not tell you so? You know, did not the Father promise this? Okay, that's the teaching. That's what this is saying. That's what this is saying. Okay, so yes, so it, it pays for you to be in church and to listen to what's being said. But the real teaching, it, it takes place between you and Holy Spirit, which has nothing to do with me or anyone else, anyone else that's doing your preaching. That's what it says there about no man can teach you. All right, okay. My role here is to interpret the word of God as Holy Spirit so guides to lead you into what, what the words are saying but the real teaching in you comes from Holy Spirit Amen? Amen. And you see what it said there, said there uh, about, the, about the anointing so uh, just to read that one more time again 27 the anointing which you have received of him abides in you and you need not that any man teach you but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. That anointing that is in you can expose when you're hearing something coming from a pulpit that is not of God. 
when you're hearing something that is not in line with the word of God, that anointing that is in you will, 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 will quicken something in your spirit. And you'll say, wait a minute, that's, that's not what's meant by that spirit. No, that, 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 that's, that's, not quite, that's not quite so. You see, the problem is, though, that many times we as Christians, because the person is a good orator, the person is a good speaker, they're eloquent in saying the words, and because they'd rather stay in that ministry, you know, because my mother and grandmother and Aunt Tilly, you know, and everything, <laughs> good old Aunt Tilly, okay, she's attended that ministry for years, generations, and so they, they refuse to change or refuse to move because that's where they've always been, you see. But you are anointed, okay, and that anointing by Holy Spirit is for a purpose, okay, so that Holy Spirit can teach you. And so the Holy Spirit can show you when someone is speaking to you something that is not in line with the Word of God, okay? All right. So, so, you know, don't take this anointing thing lightly, <laughs> not by a long shot. You really don't realize who you are. You really don't realize the power that is in you. Okay? If you can get past um, the physical, the world that we are so accustomed to dealing in, you know, oh, I gotta get this house, I gotta do this, I gotta get, I gotta pay this bill, I gotta, settle back, wait a minute, I'm anointed, Holy Spirit is in me. Turn to the Father, Lord, what shall I do? Holy Spirit, guide me. Give me some wisdom here. Give me some insights. Give me some knowledge. Amen? Give me some knowledge and some insights. Alright? So, so, so this talks a little bit about the anointing. Now, let's understand a, a, a little more about what the anointing is. Let's go to Old Testament, 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles. Okay. 1 Chronicles 29. And we want to understand a little more about the anointing because uh, an individual or an object set apart for divine use is said to be anointed. Okay, an object or sometimes an object set aside uh, or set apart for divine use is said to be anointed. And in this particular case here, we're going to read about... uh, David, David and Solomon. Okay, so 29, verse number 20. We'll just jump right into verse 20. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 20. Okay. It's a word, anointed is a word that we use so much in... in Christian circles and in Christian conversations and the anointing... But many times we really don't understand what it is. Okay, 29, verse number 20. And David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed down their heads and worshipped the Lord and the king. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. And on the day following that day, even a thousand bullocks, a thousand rams, and a thousand lambs with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel, and did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with great gladness. And they made Solomon, the son of David, king the second time and anointed him, please in the line, and anointed him unto the Lord. 
underline and anointed him unto the Lord to be prince and Zadok to be the priest. Okay? So here we see now Solomon here was anointed for a particular purpose. Was anointed him unto the Lord to be the, be the prince. So here the anointing was giving a particular assignment. Alright? Then um, th- th- that anointing made him both responsible and accountable for the people. Now, let's go to Samuel. 1 Samuel. One Samuel sixteen. Okay. And after people were anointed, they were um, empowered to do to accomplish certain tasks or to you know accomplish a particular task. So first book of Samuel, chapter sixteen, and we'll do verse number one. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among the sons. Okay, so now God is sending him to Jesse, uh, to, because he, God is saying that he's provided himself a king among the sons. So now drop down to verse number 11. Okay, the verses in between is where Jesse, uh, where 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 uh, Samuel is going to Jesse, and he's and he's looking for who this child is, who this king is of of his sons, and he starts anointing the very or looking at the various ones. But then down in verse number eleven, it says, "And Samuel said unto Jesse, Jesse, are all thy children here?" And he said, and he says, "There remain yet the youngest, and behold, he keeps the sheep." And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So in other words, Jesse had all of these sons. Jesse told Samuel, Go to him. And among those sons, in other words, there's, there's going to be a king. Jesse went to the sons, and then each son that Jesse saw, I mean that Samuel saw of Jesse's sons, he's saying, this is not the one. This is not the one. This is not the one. And then finally he says, is there not one more? Is there another one? And then he says, send him to me because we're not going anything. We're not going to do anything else. We're not going to sit down until he comes here. Verse number 12 says, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and of a beautiful countenance and handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Please in the line. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, underline, and anointed him in the midst of, of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Please in the line. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day onward. So Samuel rose up and went to, went to Ramah. All right. So God had said in verse 1, Go to Jesse because among the sons of Jesse, that's where I'm going to raise up a king. Okay? Samuel went to all of Jesse's sons, looked at them one by one and said, No, this is not him. This is not him. You know, there must be one more. All right? And when David finally came up, God spoke to him and said, This is the one. This is the one that's going to be the king. And that was David. David who wound up later on slaying Goliath. So God said, anoint him. So here we see now that David, at that point in time, was anointed for a particular reason. All right, now, I'm also, what we're talking about here is that you have an anointing. You have an anointing. So, well, have I been anointed to be king? (laughs) Have I been anointed to go out and slay Goliath? 
Well, in a matter of speaking, yeah, you've certainly been anointed to slay Goliath because we all have Goliaths in our lives. All right? But when that Goliath in the form of finance, finances or people that are giving us a hard time or opportunity or whatever it might be rise up before us, we forget that, that, that Goliath of a problem that I have an anointing. I have an anointing. So I should be able to overcome that problem. You see, God has set you apart. Every single person sitting in this sanctuary today has been anointed for a reason. You have a role. You have a role in the kingdom of God. It might not be clear to you yet what that is, but you have a role. You know, We as children of God, we as Christians, we don't live by coincidence. We don't live by just chance. We just don't go through every single day just kind of just bumbling through. You know, When God presents an opportunity or creates something in our lives that has us to pick up and go someplace, it's for a, it's for a reason. Many times when we are on those journeys, we see the things that we wind up doing and the people that we wind up ministering to, the things that you wind up saying. God has you there for a reason. You've been anointed. God did not bless you with all. You may not realize, you may not realize what you've learned and how you've grown over the last one, two, three, five years that have passed. You may not even see it as much as I see it. The growth that's happened because I know you, know some of the things that's happening in your lives, how God has moved in your life, how you have responded to situations that were difficult and challenging. And how you respond to those difficult times and challenging things today are far shot different from what they were three years ago, five years ago. You may not see the growth in you that I even see. And I'm not with you every single minute of the day. But I know through Holy Spirit. I know through Holy Spirit how you've grown and who's grown. What things trouble you, what things you still wrestle with. Okay? And what I'm saying to you is that you've all been anointed for a reason. You may not understand what your purpose in life is yet. You may not realize where God has taken you. But God does not waste time on us. God anoints us the minute that you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It says that you've been adopted into the family of God. God treats his children very well. God treats his children very well. And so the anointing that you have, maybe in your eyes, it has yet to manifest what it is or for what purpose. All right? But that anointing that you have has gotten you through the many things that you've been challenged with over the years. All right? You know, you may have had some people come back to you and say, you know, if it hadn't been for you, I would not have done so and so. If you hadn't said so-and-so at that particular time, I would have done something else. You know, at the times that you say things, many times you don't realize where those words are coming from. You don't realize it, you know. You may never, 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 ever know the lives that you've touched. All right? And some of us, simply because of chronological age, have been here a little longer than others. Amen. 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 But as you go through life... Regardless of your chronological age, you've touched the lives of people, especially if you're trying your best to do what God wants you to do in life. Doesn't mean you don't, you don't trip and stumble. Doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. But if you're always seeking, though, Holy Spirit, and you're trying to be guided by Him, that means then you've opened the way for you to be touched by Holy Spirit and to be guided by Holy Spirit, and then in turn touching someone else. 
And you may not understand why. But you have an anointing. You have an anointing. And you've been set aside for a purpose just as much as David was. Okay? Doesn't mean that we all go. Like I said, we all have our Goliaths in our lives. And we thank God with the help of God we slay those Goliaths. All right? But there is a bigger purpose that you haven't even seen yet. You know? And it doesn't mean that we're all going to go through life and causing the sun to stand still and for the rain to stop and not come down for three days or whatever. But the importance of, the importance of that sun standing still or the rain stopping for three days to someone else that is really hurting and God has sent you to that person's path to say or to do something in their lives that is just as monumental as you're stopping the sun. Okay? Because the Lord knows that when you've had something really difficult and challenging in your life, and when God came through and removed the obstacle, wasn't that a miraculous thing? How great and, and, and thankful did you feel to God when all of a sudden, boom, things worked out the way you were praying for them to be. Amen. So the same way God has impacted your life, through your anointing and with your anointing, you can impact the life, of, the life, the life or the lives of someone else or whatever else it is that God may have in mind for you. Okay? But, but recognize the fact that you have that anointing. So you see here, David was anointed for his purpose. And then we go to 1 Samuel 24. Okay? 1 Samuel 24. And the other thing that you have to realize is that, you know, with this anointing that you have, that you are indeed, um, you're, 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 you're a special person. Okay, and this is this kind of plays along with you know fear no man. You know, we God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, and we certainly don't fear men. So here we see this is where um, Saul was chasing David, and we're just going to jump down twenty-four, verse number nine. And David said to Saul, "Why hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeks thy harm?" Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how the Lord had delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me to kill you. But mine, mine eye spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Okay? Now, Saul was anointed. And he was giving David a run for his money. This is where after Saul became so jealous of David, he wanted to kill him. And there was a a point there where Saul, David could have killed him. But he said, no, no, no. I can't touch him because he's still been anointed by God. Okay? Then we go to uh, 26. 1 Samuel 26. Okay? Okay? 1 Samuel 26, verse number 7. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. And behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his head. But Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God has delivered your enemy, meaning Saul, into thine hand this day. Now therefore, let me smite him. I pray thee with the spear, even to the earth at once. I will not smi- um, and I will not smite him the second time. And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, 
For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Please underline that. Who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said furthermore, As the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. For his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, Take thou now the spear that is at his head and the cruise of water and let us go. So here again now, Saul was laying there before him. Please underline um, where it says uh, number nine. Put a bracket on number nine. Okay, and number eleven. Okay. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth thine hand against the Lord's anointed. So what does that have to do with us? David here had an opportunity to kill Saul, who was, who was after him, was persecuting him. But David was wise enough to know, though, that a man or someone that God has anointed, you don't mess with. All right? People do not understand that about you. Touch not God's anointed. Right? Do, do his prophets no harm. Okay, And God will deal with, in the case of Saul there, God dealt with him, but David was smart enough to know that I'm not going to touch him because God anointed him. When you as a child of God, people don't understand that you too are an anointed. And those that practice evil against you, God will take care of that. God will deal with that. And this is one reason why we don't have to go seeking revenge for people, you know, or, 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 or praying that harm comes to them because they are persecuting you or attacking you. You know, you, God, you hold a special purpose in the eye of God. God sees you. A, God does not look at you the way man looks at you, you know. God looks at you within, as from within, and as his child. He doesn't view, view you the way a human being does and sizes you up. Are you short? Are you tall? Are you this or are you that? God knows that you're his child and he's anointed you for a reason. He does not take kindly to someone coming against you and to persecute you. But it's not your job to go after them, you know. So when you've got people that come around you in your life and they really upset you, they really anger you and things are going so wrong, you just pray about it and give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. God will deal with that. The same way as we know what wound up happening with Saul. You see? So, so... Saul was disobedient to God, and God wound up dealing with that. In the same way, we, as being anointed children of God, that gives us a certain responsibility also. That means that we have to be obedient to God. We have to be obedient to Holy Spirit. You know, having an anointing and being an anointed child of God carries some responsibility, which means that we are supposed to, we're supposed to make sure that we're doing God's word, word uh, and carrying out His commandments and so forth. All right, so you are anointed. Go to Second Corinthians. Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians one. Okay, and these are not my words, obviously, it's the Lord's words. Second Corinthians one, verse number twenty. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, as in an oath, unto the glory of God by us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us, is God. Please note the line, and has anointed us, is God. And has also sealed us, underline sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. 
Earnest means giving the assurance. So 21 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. God is the one that has anointed you and has also sealed us. You know, and sealed meaning that, that, that it, it, it's almost like, you know, a, a king has a, a seal that he puts on a, a message, you know. If you had to travel a great distance and, and going through, through uh, these lands, the seal would give you, you know, you know, sort of a pass and would put his signet, his seal on that pass so that whoever saw it know that you were covered by the king and, and, to, and to don't, not to touch you. Well, that seal, if you read other, other places in scripture as it's more, deci- more, more described, um, is, is, is the seal that is on your spirit. And as you being sealed by Holy Spirit, that's a sign meaning hands off. In a, in a spiritual realm, that is saying that uh, it goes back to uh, whether or not a Christian can be actually possessed. Okay, and a Christian, a born-again, blood-washed Christian, cannot be fully possessed by, by a demonic spirit. Okay, you can be oppressed, meaning that, you know, troubling you in your, li- in, your, in your life and whispering in your ear and playing with your mind and so on. But your spirit cannot be possessed because your spirit is sealed by Holy Spirit. And that seal is, is a signet to, to any enemy there that to stay away, this is God's property. This is God's property. And that goes hand-in-hand, part and parcel, with your anointing. You are anointed. Anointing, anointed by God. You've you got to get that deep in your spirit because then you'll, you'll stop going through life worrying so much and feeling that you are incapable of doing something, that you are not um, able, don't have the strength, don't have the wherewithal to achieve something, to do something. You are a special person in the eyes of God and you have that, you have that anointing. We see also in Ephesians 1, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to do 1 through 23. And we read all of 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are, who are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. There's been a plan for you, for your life, for you and your life uh, before the foundation of the world. Verse 5. Having predestinated us into the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself. There's that word adoption. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace through which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In which we have abounded, abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in, in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him let's go back to 9 for a minute having made unto us made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in, in, in himself a mystery is something that at one time was unknown 
That's all that a mystery is. Once it becomes known, it is no longer a mystery. So as it says here, um, having made known unto us the, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. You know God's will. It should no longer be a mystery to you. It should no longer be a mystery to you um, what God's will is in your life. Now, that does not mean that you know every second by second because we're all praying, God, show me what you want to do. Tell me, tell me what, it, what, you know, what it is that you want me to do in this situation or whatever. But the part that you do know about God's will is that you are his child and that he wants you to succeed. All right? So that should no longer be a mystery to you. It should be something that is, is a reality. Continuing on here, verse 11, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... After you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Please in the line. After you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the nature of his glory. So you see there, after you believed, that means after you became a believer, after you accepted Jesus Christ, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Wherefore, verse 15, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention to you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Please in the line, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Please in the line. The eyes of your eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And that the riches of his glory. Of his inheritance in the saints. So your eyes have been. The eyes of your understanding uh, being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope. So that means that your eyes have been, been opened. You have the ability. You have the capability. So why is it that we, that we falter? Why is it that we run unsure? You know, I mean, this is a promise. This is what the word of God is saying that you have. Verse number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, which he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all the things to the church, which is his body. Please in the line, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, 22 and 23, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. This is saying that all things have been put under Jesus' feet. You know, and, and did you ever really stop and think about this for a minute? God put everything under Jesus' feet. Then it says there that we are his body. Okay? We gave Jesus Christ to be the head over all things to the church. So if we are his body, and all things are under Jesus' feet, and we are his body, well, guess where all of those things are relative, relative to us? They're under our feet also, you see? If we're the body of Christ, which is here, and God put all things under Jesus' feet, 
and we are his body, then that means that all things are under, his, are, under, are under our feet also. But when those difficult times come up in our lives, we certainly don't feel like we have that thing under our feet. That thing that is challenging in our lives because we forget that we are anointed, it seems like it's something that is way up here, that is over our head, and that is hanging up there like the sword of Damocles or something that's swinging back and forth, you know, trying to just chop us up and destroy us. But the problems that come into your life, because those principles and things that God has put under Jesus' feet. Well, the body of Christ, the church, which is us, is his body. So that means that if it's under Jesus' feet, it's under our feet also. So that thing that is coming on into your life, that is challenging, or the things that you're desiring, your aspirations, or whatever you feel is standing in the way, that's under your foot. But we forget about that and we let it stay over our heads. We forget that it is, under, it is under our foot, and with this anointing, I can trample on anything that is uh, obstructing me from, from gaining or achieving what God would want me to do. And then it just continues to read just a bit of, um, of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And you have he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which in times past... You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all had our manner of life in times past, in the, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's the, that's the way it was in the past, before you came to know God. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches and of his grace in his kingdom toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works unless any man should boast the grace that you have the salvation that you have is not of yourself it's of God it's free because if it was something that we could do ourselves we'd be greatly boasting about it the word of God is right there God knows us <laughs> you know if it was something we could do we'd be boasting about it instead of giving the credit to God for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them alright praise God okay so you have all of this going for you and then 1 Chronicles 16 back to Old Testament for a minute here because I, I really want you to, to uh, this as one of the takeaways 1 Chronicles 16 1 Chronicles 16 verse starting with verse 15 be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he, uh, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. So that includes us. Even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, and has confirmed the same of Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When you were but few, even a few, and sojourners in it. And when they went from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Now, suffered in scripture here means allowed. 
He suffered no man, he allowed no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Okay, so highlight or underline uh, verses 21 and 22. He allowed no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. So as an anointed child of God, it says here in verse number 21, he allowed no man to do them wrong. Well, God's not going to allow people to do you wrong. All right? He won't stand for it. You may not see it manifest in the next five minutes, you know, or the next day or whatever, but God will indeed make that person or make that situation, be, you know, accountable for what it's doing or for what they are presenting. God allowed no man to do them wrong. He reproved kings for their sakes. So reproving kings, I mean, that means that just because an individual may be high up on the totem pole and may be powerful, and if they're giving you a hard time, I don't care who they are. I don't care who they are. You know, if someone is doing you harm or doing you wrong, God will deal with it, you know. And just the mere fact of knowing that gives you such a feeling of relief and takes a burden off your shoulders because, you know, we as children of God shouldn't be seeking revenge anyway. But it's just that if something like that comes into your life where, you know, you've been cheated somehow or something has gone wrong or someone did something to you, it's such a weight off of your shoulders knowing that God's going to reprove them. God will take care of them regardless of who they are. So you don't have to go about exacting revenge. You are an anointed child of God. You should walk around with your chest sticking out. I don't mean that in a prideful, boastful kind of way but 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 remember who you are you're a child of God you have an anointing God is looking out for you he's not going to let, let situations or people do any harm for you touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm last scriptures here I promise Ephesians 5 because how should we be walking as child as God's uh, anointed children Ephesians 5 verse number 1 Ephesians 5, verse number 1, How should we be walking as God's anointed? Be ye therefore followers of God, as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness, all uncleanness, covetedness, let it not be once named among you, as we come of saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't joke. It says jesting that is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. Be not you therefore partakers with them. Be careful about who you hang around with. Be careful about where you're receiving information and accepting things from. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the, spirit of, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. There's nothing that we need to remember to do to extract ourselves from, 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 from darkness from people that are, you know, professing darkness. Um, for, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. 
For whatever does make manifest uh, is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Please in the line all of 17. Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know? And I kind of go back into verse 14 for a moment. Wherefore it said, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. You know, the, the dead is here being referred to the people that are unknowing. You know, and we need we need to wake up. We cannot be asleep behind the wheel because, again, many times when things are going wrong in our lives and we're really struggling and worrying about things, we forget the fact that you are an anointed child of God. You indeed have a special place. Well, you you, you look and you say, well, you know, sometimes I don't feel anointed. <laughs> You know, when I'm struggling with that thing or when that person's coming against me or that situation is hanging up there, I don't feel anointed. Well, what's the other scripture there? You know, we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't go by what we feel. You know, we don't go by what, by what we feel. We go by what we know that what the word of God says. And we know that the word of God says that, that I am anointed. God has said that, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. God will take care of that. God is saying that, that, that I, I can learn. The, the one that will do the teaching is Holy Spirit. And you being an anointed child of God, God looks at you personally and says, that I have a personal interest in what's happening with this son or this daughter of mine. Therefore, I'm going to make sure that I bring him or bring her to where I want her to be. You know? and, and ask yourself, what is that purpose? You know, if you look in scripture, it talks about the fivefold ministry. It talks about the gifts of the spirit. You know, you all have gifts. You all have gifts. God has anointed you and touched you for a purpose. You may not think that you've seen that yet. You, you may not know uh, where that's going to take you in its fullness. But Holy Spirit can certainly, certainly teach you, you know. And you stop and think back to how your life was a few years ago and look at how God has blessed you, how God has touched you, and how God has delivered you from things. And then you you'll see where God was very much active in your life and will continue to be there. Amen? So I hope this message has been a blessing for you. Remember that you are indeed an anointed child of God. Amen? hope this message has been a blessing for you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.